Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. As you're seated this morning, open your Bibles to the book of Joshua. Chapter 14 in the book of Joshua. It's been a good day already, hasn't it? Super day. Joshua chapter 14. We're going to talk about a man with a dream and God's fulfillment of that dream. When I was a kid, I had a dream of becoming a professional motorcycle racer. The early crowd laughed at that too. I don't know why. Why is that funny? That's what I wanted to be and do. And I put all my time and my money and my energies and my focus in that as a career and it didn't pan out. So I I realized that that dream wasn't something God had for me. In fact, it was difficult because in the midst of that dream, trying to fulfill that, God began working in my heart about being in the ministry. And so it was obvious that dream was not his. He had another dream for me. In 1994, I would sit over there in my office, in the little office section of the building, and there was nothing out here but a bunch of trees. And I would look out the window of my office at this plot of land, all these beautiful big oak trees, and I dreamt about the day that those oak trees would be gone and replaced by this building. Folks, we've seen the fulfillment of that dream. So I want to talk about another man in Scripture who had a dream and he saw it fulfilled. His name is Caleb. Chapter 14 of Joshua. Caleb says these words. This is his request to the leader of the people of God, Joshua. As you see, the Lord has kept me alive these 45 years as he promised. Since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel was journeying in the wilderness. Here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was the day Moses sent me out. My strength for battle and for daily tasks is now as it was then. Now give me this hill country the Lord promised me on that day. Because you heard then that the Anakim are there as well as large fortified cities. And I love this last phrase of chapter tw- or verse 12. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord promised. Verse 13 says, Then Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron as an inheritance. This is the promised land being taken as a possession. Now what I want you to do is hold that place and rewind to the book of Numbers. We're going to rewind 45 years to Numbers chapter 13. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, right? Is that right? Numbers chapter 13. We're going to talk about how to see a vision fulfilled. The only way to see a vision fulfilled is to have eyes like Caleb had. He was on a journey, and it was a journey of faith, and he looked at the circumstances, the situation, everything that was involved in that dream of his, he looked at it through the eyes of faith. And as we think about our journey that we're on here at Coastal Oaks, and that's what we've called the journey as we've raised money to be able to build this debt-free building, and we're going to wrap that up next Sunday morning here in this place, I want us to think about that journey of faith. Here's the first truth in a journey of faith. Faith sees the vision. Number one... Faith sees the vision. Look at chapter 13 in the book of Numbers, verse 30. After the people saw the land and the spies 
looked at the land of Canaan and came back and brought that report, there was murmuring that they couldn't take the land. We'll talk about that in a minute. In a minute. But look at what Caleb says in verse 30. The Bible says, Then Caleb quieted the people, the murmurers, the complainers, the naysayers. Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, We must go up and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. I love that. We must go and we certainly can. Here Caleb is responding to what happened when the people of God looked at the promised land. God brought them out of Egypt, delivered them by Moses, brought them across the Red Sea, and brought them into the the wilderness. God established his law and his covenant with his people, led them right up to the threshold of the land of Canaan. And basically God said, there it is. Go check it out. So they appointed a spy, one from every tribe, and the 12 spies went in, and they looked at the land, and they came back and told about the land they'd seen. And they said, yes, it's a great land. Yes, it's a fruitful land, but, we'll talk about that but in just a minute. But they complained. They said, it really is going to be too difficult for us, so we better not do it right now. Verse 30 is where Caleb steps up and says, wait a minute, we've got to do this. God promised it to us. God wants to fulfill it in us. Let's do it. That's the attitude expressed in verse 30 there. It's a vision that God has given Caleb and the people of God, and faith is able to see that. We saw this building 16 years ago, this congregation, these people sitting here. There was a a dream that God had given me as a pastor, and, and my responsibility, I told the early service this, and they looked at me, they were kind of puzzled, like, that's true, but my responsibility as a pastor is to cast the vision for the church. That's the role God has given me. I'm the pastor teacher, I'm the shepherd, I'm to lead and feed and protect, but I'm to cast the vision of the church. So God had put in my heart what he wanted to do at Co- through Coastal Oaks Church, and so this is the dream that, that God placed on my heart, and fortunately it wasn't just me. He placed it on the heart of a whole bunch of other folks. We saw the vision. We, somebody said, well, are you surprised to be in that building? No. Are you surprised at how you got there? No. I'm surprised some of it took as long as it did. But God was in it all. Faith sees the vision. Number two, faith looks past opposition. If we're going to have a vision, a dream for God to fulfill, faith faith sees past opposition. Look at chapter 13, again in the book of Numbers. Let's backtrack a little bit and look at that report that came from the spies, verse 26. The men went back to Moses, those spies who'd spent 40 days in the land, went back to Moses and Aaron, the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, and they brought back a report from them and the whole community, and they showed them the fruit of the land. I love that. They said, look, it is just like you said. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. They showed him all the the produce from the land. They reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is a land flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. However... Don't you love that word? Verse 28, however, in other words, they're saying it is good, but, however, the people living in the land are strong, and their cities are large and fortified, and we also saw the descendants of Anak there, some that said they were like giants, the Amalekites living in the land, and the Negev, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, and all the otherites in the land, I added that. The Amorites living in the hill country and the Canaanites that live by the sea along the Jordan. And that's when Caleb has to step up and he has to quiet the people in verse 30. Look at verse 31. But, there's that word again. But the men who had gone up with him responded, We can't go up against the people because they are stronger than we are. 
So they gave a negative report to Israel about the land they had scouted. Now, here's Caleb. We can. Let's go. And here's the majority. We can't. We better not. Folks, majority isn't always right. In this case, God's plan was for them to take the land and take possession. But because of their disobedience and their lack of faith, they said we can't. Here's what they did. They maximized the problems. And folks, when you maximize the problems, you minimize God. If you read the report of the other 10 spies, you have Joshua and Caleb saying, let's go. The other 10 saying, no, we can't. If you look at their report, you can see in it that they are not thinking about God at all. Who are they thinking about? Their own skin. Yeah, God did promise us that land, but he wants us to fight for it. I I don't think so. Caleb says, by faith, we can, we must go. Faith looks past the opposition, magnifying the problems. We started talking about building this building debt-free. Not everybody was on board with that. Let me tell you, it wasn't easy. People saw it and they said, I don't think you're going to be able to do that. We had people, we tried to talk to professional fundraisers, and they said, you can't do that. You don't want to do that. Let us show you another way. We were committed to being debt-free. And as we started to go into that process, we didn't have anybody that was out out there opposing it, but there was a, a feeling among some of our folks, I don't think we can do this. They weren't vocal, but you could tell everybody wasn't on board. Some people did come to me after we got rolling through the journey and the offering started coming in and we started building. Some people did come to me and say, Pastor, I got to tell you, you were right and we were wrong. We didn't think it could be done, but we're seeing it happen now. And we have been able to celebrate that. We'll talk about that in a minute. Faith looks past the opposition. Faith looks past those who say you can't do it. Let me tell you, in today's day and time, the majority of churches are not building debt-free. They ought to be. It just from a pure financial standpoint, whether you're going to trust God or not, it's a good financial decision to build debt free. But most are not. And I believe most are missing the blessing of God because they're letting everybody out there who says you can't do it influence their decision. Praise God for this church. We look past the opposition. Number three, faith waits on God's perfect timing. Faith waits on God's perfect timing. Look at chapter 14 again. I'm sorry, on into chapter 14. I've had a hard time keeping my 13s and 14s in order today, let me tell you. Chapter 14 in Numbers now. All of chapter 14 is the discussion of the people murmuring. And if you look at verse 29 in chapter 14, this is God's explanation of the consequences of them saying we can't. Your, and look, look for words of repetition in this passage. Your corpses will fall in this wilderness, all of you who are registered in the census, the entire number of you, 20 years old or more, because you have complained about me. I swear that none of you will enter the land I promised to settle you in. Now it's the promised land, right? God says to that generation, none of you will enter the land I promised except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. I will bring your children whom you said would become plunder into the land you rejected, and they will enjoy it. But as for you, your corpses will fall in the wilderness. Your children will be shepherds in the wilderness for 40 years and bear the penalty of your acts of unfaithfulness until all your corpses lie scattered in the wilderness. You will bear the consequences of your sins 40 years based on the 40 days that you scouted the land, a year for each day. God drives the point home, doesn't he? 40 years. Did you know that the 40 years of wilderness wanderings were a consequence 
of the spies saying we can't? You kind of thought, well, I just thought that's the way it was. God said to them, because of your disobedience, you spent 40 days spying the land, I'm going to give you a year for each day to think about it. Go take another lap around Mount Sinai. Y'all been in sports? Coach says to you, if you don't get it, take another lap. You run a lap, you try to get it, you haven't got it, take another lap. There's an old song that said, take another lap around Mount Sinai till you learn your lesson, till you stop your griping and you quit your complaining. Take another lap. They spent 40 years wandering because God was trying to show them the consequences of their lack of faith and their disobedience. Now, where's Caleb all this time? He's right with them. If, if I had been Caleb, I'd have said, uh, God, can Joshua and I have a word with you? Come here, Josh, let's get God over here. Okay, God, look. They don't get it, but we do. We get it. You're God, you gave us the land, we'll be victorious. Let them wander, okay? We'd like to take the land. Can we have it right now? That's what I'd have done. I'd have been, I'd have been right there. Wait a minute, this isn't fair. By the way, God had a plan for Joshua too. God needed to work in his life and bring him up because Moses was going to pass the baton to him. Caleb spent 40 years in the desert waiting on God's perfect timing. Man. God, you teach all those folks that lesson. I don't need to learn it. You know what lesson he got to learn? Waiting on God's perfect timing. Faith says, okay, God, I will wait for you until everything's just the way it should be. Back when our church began to talk about building this building debt-free, we met, we met in small groups, we met in large groups, we talked as a congregation, and the majority of us said, we need to build a new worship center. But there was a minority that said, I don't think we need to do that. Now, it would have been great to say, okay, we're going anyway. Forget the minority. We're just going to move on because God's in this. And that's been done a lot. But you know what we said? We said, wait a minute. Let's wait and see what God's doing here. I learned studying and experiencing God. There's a truth that Henry Blackaby teaches, and it was so fresh and so appropriate at that time. This is what he says. When you as a congregation vote, and the majority says, we believe it's God's will to do this, but you have a group that says it's not God's will to do that. Here's what he says. He says, most likely... It is God's will that you do that. But since everybody hasn't heard that, it's probably not God's timing. And we said, that may be what's going on here. There wasn't any vocal opposition. There was just, it was just people sharing their hearts. Pastor, I don't think that's something we need to do. And after we prayed and talked, we began to hear it's not something we need to do right now. And so we stepped back and we waited. In a process of a little over a year, we just waited to see what God was doing. You know what happened within a year? God brought everybody to the point where we said, yes, we believe it's what we need to do. I believe with all my heart that if we had just pressed ahead that first initial time, we'd have been out of the will of God because God had some timing issues that he wanted to take care of. And when we started, God was faithful, and he's been faithful in every offering. We've had opportunities here where things just didn't work out the way we thought they were supposed to, but God was preparing things behind the scenes. Isn't that the great, the way he does that? God's at work backstage. You know, you go to a concert and there's an empty stage and the curtain's drawn and you don't see anything going on out there and you're sitting out there in the congregation or the crowd waiting, it's pretty busy backstage. Did you know that? It's pretty busy here on Sunday morning before we get ready. A lot of stuff goes on behind the scenes that you don't know about at a concert or at a production or even at a worship service, but you need to understand it's going on. And sometimes God has us as a congregation 
may have you as an individual. Wait. He's busy backstage. He's lining stuff up just for you. Wait on God's perfect timing. Number four, faith looks beyond the obstacles. Not only past opposition, not only waiting on God's timing, but faith looks beyond the obstacles. Now, back to Joshua chapter 14. We're going to fast forward now, 45 years. About 40 years wilderness wanderings, five to seven years of the conquest of the land. Finally, they got in the land. Joshua leads the people in the land, and we fast forward, and now we're back to Caleb's original statement. They've spent time fighting over Jericho and all the other cities, and and the land is being appropriated. All the tribes are getting their land, and that's where Caleb steps up and says, now give me the hill country. Faith looks beyond obstacles. Chapter 14 of Joshua. Let's look at it again. As you see, the Lord has kept me alive these 45 years as he promised. Since the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel was journeying in the wilderness. Here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as I was the day Moses sent me out. My strength for battle and for task is now as it was then. I love verse 12. Now, give me this hill country. The Lord promised me on that day. Give me the tough place. Give me the land. The, the background that we had up there earlier today is, is actually Israel. It's, it's the valley. And, and most people say, give me the valley. Give me the easy places. Give me the place where the roads are smooth. Caleb said, give me the hill country. Give me that land that's not going to be easy to take. And then he goes on and explains, not only is it the hill country I want, he says the Anakim live there, and there are large and fortified cities. Why would Caleb remind God and Joshua that the land is tough. I think he's reminding himself. By faith, God's promised me that difficult place, that difficult hill country, and I want it. He's looking past the obstacles, fortified cities, even giants. Faith looks beyond that. Faith looked beyond when our congregation was about 100 people. How are we going to raise the money? At that time, they thought it might be $700,000 to build this building. And we just gulped when they told us that. We couldn't fathom it, but we just said, okay, Lord, inch by inch, it's a cinch, right? So we're going to take it daily, one day at a time. I love Caleb's, I've got enough strength for the daily stuff. We said, here we are, Lord, we're ready to go. Finances were tough. There were times when it was difficult, but people sacrificed. There was a time when John Atkinson, our construction superintendent, was sick and in the hospital in intensive care, and we thought he might die. And here we are in the middle of this big production and all this stuff going on, trying to coordinate all the work, and he's in the hospital. An obstacle. We moved on past that obstacle. We encountered the Rockport Tree Committee when we first started. Now here was a group of folks who were committed to keeping Rockport a nice place with lots of trees. And you can imagine, well, maybe you can't imagine, but where you're sitting were some of the biggest trees in Rockport. This was a beautiful piece of property but we believe God was in it. And and they met with us and we met with them. And by the way, this church was gracious and they were gracious and we worked all the details out. It was a good thing. But initially, they came to us at one of our meetings and said, they're not going to let us cut down any trees. Can you imagine that? We teased one of our guys. We said, we're not going to be coastal oaks anymore. We want to be coastal oak. But fortunately, we didn't do that. God worked through that. We met here on Easter sunrise, not Easter sunrise service, but an Easter service when this building wasn't complete and the walls were open. We thought, let's at least meet under this thing. And a good old Easter cold front blew in. It was cold in here. 
We've done that. We continue to do that. We look past obstacles. We have two worship services now. It is not easy. It is not easy. We have folks getting up on Sunday morning. They, some of them didn't even know the sun was up that early, but they're up. They're saying, I'm going to make the commitment to be there. We've got our worship team and our choir and our media people and our child care people sacrificing. Some are sacrificing right now. We've just learned. We look past the obstacles and we say, okay, Lord, what's next? We're ready for it. That's what Caleb did. Faith is willing to look past obstacles. Number five, faith is willing to fight to see the vision fulfilled. Faith is willing to fight to see the vision fulfilled. Look again at verse 11 in chapter 14 of Joshua. I am still as strong today as I was the day Moses sent me out. My strength for battle and for daily tasks is now as it was then. Caleb says, I'm ready for the daily stuff. Have you found out the daily stuff is where it's tough? You can jump on board for the big thing, for the big transition, for the big celebration or the big push. You're there, but, but it's the daily stuff every morning when the alarm clock goes off and it's Sunday and you can sleep in. When it's not easy, the daily stuff. Caleb says, I've got strength for that and I'm ready to do it. Strength for the battle. He knew it was going to take a fight. Folks, we're not talking about fighting each other. We're talking about fighting the fight, like Paul said. I've fought the good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Faith says, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to do what it takes. For over 10 years, 12 years, I think, we met in the gym over there. And the chairs you're sitting in were the chairs we used over there. And every Saturday night, we put those chairs out. And every Sunday morning, we picked them up and put them in the closet. We put the stage, we rolled the stage out. We rolled, the piano was on wheels. Everything you see, we rolled out every week, and we put it back every week. And it was really exciting the first few times we did it. Right? And it was exciting for about a year. Then it got a little difficult. And then we went into two years. We thought we might be in there for three years. And then that year went into another year and another year. And, and we had some people step up and say, Pastor, uh, we're going to do whatever it takes. We'll be here every week to do that. And we had folks who came to the worship services. And every Sunday morning when we would say amen, they went to work. They fought the fight. Just whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. That's the mentality of this church. That's a Caleb mentality. Fighting to see the vision fulfilled. Number six, faith celebrates the victory. Faith celebrates the victory. I'm looking at my wife. What did I do? Huh? I'm okay? All right. She gives me that look. Did I say something twice? No? Okay. You'll tell me later, right? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Boy, am I looking forward to that. Can you see my face turning red? Can you see it? Yeah. It's the lights. Number six, faith celebrates the victory. Look at verse 13 and 14. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, as an inheritance to this day. Do you see that? That's the victory, the inheritance. That's what they looked forward to. That's what the people of God looked forward to. That's what the Jews have always looked forward to, a land that's their own, an inheritance. And they celebrate the victory. 
God says it is yours. Verse 15 says, after this, at the end, the land had rest from war. Faith celebrates the victory. Faith comes in and says, you know what? I've fought the fight. I've stayed faithful. And as you read through these chapters of Scripture and you look at the life of Caleb, he was loyal and faithful to finish the battle all the way to the end, all the way till there was rest in the land. Faith celebrates the victory. Next Sunday morning, we're going to meet in here and we're going to celebrate the victory. It will be our last, Lord willing, our last journey offering, wrapping up about 12 years of of seeing that this worship center could be completed. It doesn't mean debt-free ministry is over. It doesn't mean we're not going to continue. But the journey itself, we're going to wrap up. Because we said the journey would be this worship building and the seating and the lighting and the video. And the seats you're sitting in are going to be replaced, Lord willing. They're on order. Wouldn't it be great if they came by next week? Maybe God could do that. I don't know. We've got new lights that we're going to order. We've got new video equipment. We'll be a permanent facility. That's going to wrap up the journey. And we want it to be a celebration. We want to celebrate everything God has done over these years. To come together and hear testimonies. Faith celebrates the victory. I read about an awards presentation a couple of years ago at Strathmore Music Center near Washington, D.C. People from different cultures had come together. There were people from Ethiopia. There were musicians from uh, New Orleans. There were some bluegrass bands there. There were some Native Americans there. There were folks from all different cultures and they were celebrating the arts. And at the end of that celebration, they had the award winners come up on stage and they presented, presented them to the crowd. Of course, the crowd was excited. And, and the last band to play, had played for several hours, was a New Orleans-style jazz band. And so they thought they would end the day with when the saints go marching in. And so that band started playing up there. And the award winners were up there. And the congregation, the crowd there at that music center began to get into it and began to clap. And when the, the uh, leaders stood up, the people who'd won the awards from all cultures stood up, they thought there would just be a round of applause. The people stood, and their applause started being in time with the music. And so the band picked it up, and they said, yeah, they're getting into this. So the band kind of turned it up a notch. You know, band members can do that. And they started getting into it, and they got into it even more, and the crowd got into it even more, and it started going. And pretty soon, the people on stage from every different culture started getting into it, and they're dancing, and they formed a conga line. And so here's all these people from different cultures, different backgrounds, different skills, and different arts, and they're dancing up there on stage, and a party broke out. And it went on, and it went on, and it went on. And they said when that thing was over, nobody wanted to leave. They just stayed around basking in what had happened. And I've got a couple of comments of of people who were there. One person said, you know, it was like we were swimming in joy. I like that. There was a celebration of life and talent and giftedness and diversity, and everybody got involved. And this person said, you know, it was like we were swimming in joy. But I love this observation. This one person said this. It was a holy joy, so large that it is no longer inside of you, but you are inside of it. I thought, man, I don't know what was going on that day besides celebrating joy and diversity, but that describes the people of God. That we come together, and that's my prayer for next Sunday morning, that we would be swimming in joy as we remind ourselves everything God has done over all these years to bring us to this place, and that it would no longer be one of those things where we're all about joy, but it would just be something we're immersed in, 
and it becomes a part of us, and we become a part of it. You know what happens when we do that? One person gets all the glory for that. The Lord gets the glory. And we're going to come together and celebrate him. I hope you're looking forward to that day. I am. We're people of faith. We're going to be like Caleb. Let's pray together.